Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. Uh, so if you got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4. Um, I think it's going to take me a couple of weeks to kind of unpack this, um, everything that I have to, have to say around this. John chapter 4, if you didn't bring your Bibles, that's okay. We're going to have, uh, have it on the screen. Let me just start by reading. It's actually a fairly lengthy passage, but I just want to read this this passage. um, And then out of it, we'll we'll kind of share some things. John chapter 4, verse 5. It says, So he came down to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, this woman said, You have nothing to draw with and this well is deep. Where can you get this living water? And are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself? as did also his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become like a spring welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and I won't have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you have had is not, and the man you have now is not your husband. Don't you know that just has to be a great moment when Jesus just calls you out. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, for reminding me of my five husbands. (laughs) He said, what you said is quite true. And then as perceptive as she was, she said, sir, I can see that you're a prophet. Yeah, you Yep. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that, this, claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and, he, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking to a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking to this woman? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this possibly be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, you've got to eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat. This is what I want us to focus on right now. He says, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have possibly brought him food? And then Jesus said this, my food, Jesus said, is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. My food is to do the will 
of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Um, I want to talk a little bit today around this, this idea of uh, what are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? I don't know if you've noticed this, but hunger is a very, very powerful force. Very, very powerful force. Uh, I've, been, I've been kind of doing this keto diet thing, and I've lost a little weight. I'm getting pretty excited about it, so it gives you a little more energy to keep going. And so the other day, I'm, uh, Leon's out of town, and I was, I, was getting my, uh, I was getting my meal together. I was just home by myself, and uh, one of, I have several groups, and we're all comparing all the things that we grill. And I don't remember what it was that I had. I was having some leftover something or, or, or another, and one of my buddies sent me a text message of him grilling and he, I forget if it was like a picanha or a tri-tip or whatever it was. No, it was a ribeye. That's what it was. He was, he was a ri- grilling this ribeye. And it had just been a long time since I had a ribeye. And he sends me this picture of a ribeye. And, he, and I, I forget if I had said I'm eating something else. And he sent a picture. And this literally is no exaggeration. Less than 15 minutes later, I was at HEB buying a ribeye. And I, said, I was looking at my little meal and his ribeye, and I was like, not today, devil, not today. Just not happening today. Just, it, it's, it really is interesting. We talk about even women when they're pregnant, how they just have these cravings. And uh, Leanne had some different cravings, but if you, if I've just seen and heard stories where it's like, it can be like, ah, I'm hungry. I'm like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> um, it, it's these, these, these cravings, they, they, do, they do crazy things. And hunger, it just hunger in general. It's, it's amazing how one, when you get hungry, how you can't even think about anything else. And there's words for that, like hangry and stuff like that. But it's, it's, it's interesting. And I, it, I, I've had on my heart to talk about hunger for a while because one of the things that I'm, I'm becoming aware of is that I, I feel like we're not hungry enough for the things we should be hungry for. That's what I sense. I sense that there's not a... A hunger, and by hunger, I mean internal motivation, not external motivation. I mean internal motivation where something that's like you, you, you're living from this internal thing where you must fulfill this desire. You must, you must satisfy this craving. You must go to H-E-B and get a ribeye or whatever that thing is that's, that's driving you. I, I, I've just had this sense that there's not enough or maybe even the right internal, internal motivations, and I, and I in fact, if you go back and look, the, the whole concept of the new covenant is that there was once this, this motivation that was external called the law, and God said it's not good that you're motivated externally. In other words, do something good on the outside to get something good on the inside. He said, I want you to be motivated from the inside out. In other words, I'm going to do a work on the inside, and I'm going to make you good on the inside so that from the inside, good inside, you can do good on the outside. He's, he, there's scriptures that tell us there were, there were the, the, the laws, the laws of Moses were written on tablets of stone. But the New Testament laws, the New Testament to-do list, if you will, was written on tablets of flesh. In other words, where is it that tells you what you should be doing? On the inside. Something on the inside. And so I, I have this Again, I just have this desire to talk about this because I just don't feel like there, there are times when I see people and, and what they're doing and their lifestyle and their schedules and different things. And I go, my, my thought is, what is your motivation? What are, what are you hungry for? Because I can see that you're driven. I can see that you're going after for something. But one, are you going after the right thing? And if you're not, why? What's on the, what's on the inside? 
in this story, Jesus has been on this journey, and he is physically, on the outside, he is physically tired. He's exhausted. In fact, he, he's, he sends the disciples into town so that they can get food. He goes to a well so that he can get water. He's after food and water. Why? Because on the outside, externally, he's hungry. There's something on the outside motivating him to get to a well. There's something on the outside motivating him to get some food. But he finds himself at this, at this well, and there's this moment that just kind of happens upon Jesus. This woman just shows up into, in, into his world, and she shows up into this world, and all of a sudden, he, he knows he's thirsty, and he knows that he's hungry, but he also knows that she's broken. He's broken. She's broken. She has some dysfunction. She has something missing in her life, and, she, and her particular vice just happened to be men. The thing that's broken in her, she's been trying to fix with men. And all of a sudden, Jesus is faced with, a, with, a, with this, if you want to call it a dilemma, I don't think it was much of a dilemma for him. It might be for us, but it's like, I, I'm hungry for this, but then here's this opportunity. Of course, it's Jesus. Of course, we know what he did. What did Jesus do? Jesus sat, he's, it's almost like he sat aside the fact, because if you'll notice in this story, he came to get a water. He even asked her for a drink of water. She didn't even give him a drink of water. He prophesied over and she wouldn't even give him a drink. So he, he's, still, he's still thirsty. And the disciples hadn't come back. He still didn't have his food. In fact, they even wondered, did someone else bring him food? No, no one else brought him food. He's still thirsty. He's still hungry. But he, it's, it's as if he sets those things aside and says, I'm going to do this. In other words, I have an external motivator, but I also have an internal motivator. And he chooses what? The internal motivation. He begins to speak to this woman and talk to her about the things that are going on in her world. And I don't know if you've ever had this situation happen, but um, there's, there's a courage and, a, and an encouragement that comes when you feel known. When someone speaks into your world and you feel known, you feel understood. I was telling some of the guys earlier this morning, what a, one of my favorite I'm not a words of affirmation guy, but when, the, when I get a word from the Lord and the, word, and, the, and the Lord says something directly to me in my spirit and I, and I realize he knows me, he sees what I'm doing, he agrees with what I'm doing, it does something to my soul. Being known does something. And so Jesus comes into this situation and he lets this woman know, you are known, good, bad, or ugly. I know what you're going through. And in fact, yeah, we're talking about drinking water here. I'm the, I'm, I am that person that you've been looking for that has the water that when you drink this, you'll never be thirsty again. In other words, you'll never be looking. Once you get this, you'll never be looking again for something on the outside to fulfill something on the inside. I am the fulfiller from the inside out, not the outside in. And that's what he says. You, you, if you'd asked me, I'd give you living water. And it says it springs up a well from the inside of eternal life. The story goes on. The disciples come back. He has this great moment. And um, he's, they see him talking. And, and they basically say, okay, I don't know what. And I'm trying to put myself in the disciples' shoes because it's like men are men, right? And you get a group of men. I mean, especially as young as these men were, all hopped up on testosterone and puberty and all this stuff because they were young men. They travel all this time together. You know that you know that you know at some point Jesus walked up and they were talking about a girl. Be like, ooh, dude, check this one out over here. She dipping that water. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. It's Mother's Day. Clean it up, clean it up. Uh, 
But just try to put yourself in his shoes. Like, they've never seen Jesus, Matt. And all of a sudden, they see Jesus talking to a woman, like, oh, Jesus, what you doing? Somebody's like, you need to go ask him. Like, what was he saying? What was he spitting? What kind of games he got? And there was nothing. like, I ain't asking him. I ain't, I don't know. So they, they come back. They see this. They're like, oh, he's talking to a woman. What is, what's going on here? So they, no one says, nobody says anything. She leaves. She goes back. And, and so what happens is, is the disciples, they're, st- they're still in a natural state of mind. In other words, like, okay, I don't know what that was all about, but I know for a fact because of what we've, what we, where we've come from, the journey we've been on, I know how hungry we were, so I know you've got to be starving. They were probably snacking on the way out on some of the, you know how when you get a, a burger and some fries on the way home, you're going to eat all the fries before you ever get home? Come on. So then I ate all the fries out, and all that's left is the burger. And so they come to him. They're still thinking externally and said, Jesus, you got to eat. You got you to get some food. You got to get some food. You got to get some water. And his response is, I have a food that you don't know anything about. And, and they're like, well, did someone bring you something? Did, did, we, did we not know? Is that what that woman did? Did she bring you some food? He's like, he's like no, no, no. My food, my nourishment comes from doing the will of the Father. In other words, I, you're right. I was naturally hungry and I was naturally thirsty. But in this moment of natural hunger and thirst, I got an opportunity to do the will of my Father, and I've just about lost my appetite. I'm so fulfilled by doing His will that I actually have forgotten that in the external world, I'm supposed to be hungry and I'm supposed to be thirsty. And it just, when I was reading through this, it, just, it was just dawning on me how many of us are so fulfilled by fulfilling his will that sometimes we forget that there are external things that we once needed to fulfill things for us. I can, I can speak from this firsthand. I, there were times in my life where I, I mean, I, and I still love to hunt and bow hunt and deer hunt and all this. I love to fish. There's lots of things that I love to do. I've had hobbies. Men have hobbies. Ladies, don't you know, we got our hobbies. And so I, I had my hobbies, and there's been times in my life where, I mean, I just, oh, my gosh, I can't wait for deer season to get here. Oh, I, I, as soon as deer season's over, I was like, oh, I got to get ready for fishing season. And then fishing season turns into golf season, and golf season turns into axis season, and axis season turns into in, 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 more golf, and then getting ready for deer season again. And there's been times when I was early on in marriage where Leanne's like, is there ever a not a season? And I was like, no. I don't want to live in a world where there's not a season. Like, that's why I love being from Texas. We can kill things every day of our lives. It's like, there's always something needs shot, you know? But I'm just being honest with you. There were times when I was I was, I mean, I knew, I mean, I, I was just in it to win it all the time. Boom, 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 boom. But then there's also times when I realized all of a sudden in my pursuit of God, I, it's almost like I forgot that it was deer season was coming up or I forgot that this thing was coming up. And all of a sudden where I used to be very driven, I'm going to make my schedule work. I'm going to move this meeting to here and here so I can slide in 18 holes here. I'm going to make this happen, this happen. So I, all of a sudden I wasn't moving things around quite as much to do these things. And I just began to understand, oh, it's taken me some time to understand, but all of a sudden there's things in my life that are fulfilling me from the inside out. I don't need near as much from the outside in. Jesus says, I've almost lost my appetite because while you were gone, I got an opportunity to do something that satisfies in a way. That's why he said to the disciples, I've got a food that you know nothing about. There's a satisfaction that I just went through that pales in, the compar- in comparison to my ha- this hamburger that you just brought me. 
It's nothing like it. In other words, this natural thing that you think is going to satisfy, I've been engaged in this spiritual thing that's almost made me forget about how hungry I once was. It, it, is, it is imperative that as believers, as Jesus followers, as Christians, we tap into that thing that Jesus tapped into. Because I can just tell you, it's a futile life to live externally motivated, trying to feed yourself with external things, outside things, to satisfy an internal hunger. Jesus says, it is my food, my satisfaction, my soul's rest comes, not from food that comes from the outside in, but it's the food of knowing, the satisfaction of knowing that I have done the will of my Father. I have done the will of my Father. Now, I want, I want to take just a second because I've only got a couple minutes left, and I want to talk about the, the, the will of the Father. I want you to think about right now when it, in terms of the will of the Father. What is the will of the Father? What is his will? What is his will? I want you to think about what comes to mind right now in your world. In other words, if right now, what is the will of God for you right now? What does he want you to be doing? Think about it for just a second. Now, what you're thinking about right now in this very moment, it is... It is telling of how you see God. It's very telling of how you see God. Because oftentimes when we think of the will of, will of God, we think of what He wants us to be doing. Now, if you're in, in this room right now, if, when, when I said, think of the will of God, what is, what is the will of God for your life? What is the will of God? Raise your hand if it was something He wants you to do for Him. Most of us in the room, what is the will of God? Well, he wants this from me and he wants me to do this. Most of us, our perspective of the will of God is that there's something he wants from us. That's the natural perspective. It is the perspective of the flesh. There's some, but there's something that happens in terms of how the will of God motivates us when we start to understand that it's more the will of God. The will of God is actually more clearly defined in the things he's done for you not the things you'll ever do for him. It is the will of God that you are righteous and you know it. That's the first and foremost thing. It is the will of God that you are righteous and that you know it. Listen to this. So th these are just some classic scriptures, that, but I, I feel like it just needed to be said again. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him, who Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that what? We might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is his will. His will is that you're righteous. And not that just that you're righteous, that you know it, you believe it, and you start to walk in it. That's his will. A couple things, other things I wrote down. Well, I, and, I wrote, and this is kind of what we're talking about right now. It's his will that you know that he's good. It's, it's his will that you know that God is, not just he wants you to be righteous, it's that he is good. Because I, I propose to you today that to the degree you're, you're in pursuit of his will is the same degree that you know he is good. The, when you know that he's good, you really want to do, do his will. When you're not sure if he's good, this other thing that looks like it could be good all of a sudden begins to drive you. And now you're more motivated to do this other thing that I think is going to produce good because maybe following him won't produce as much good. 
So I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go pursue this other thing. If you know that everything that he has for you is good, you'll never not desire to pursue his will. My kids, I, in, in our marriage, um, in, in our home, I'm more the disciplinarian and Leanne's more like the mercy and grace side of things. And so we make a, a pretty good combination when we're, when we're firing all cylinders. But my kids have learned that um, when, it, when they want something that's kind of iffy and they kind of know they're, they're, they're stretching it to ask for this thing, whether it's to stay up a little longer or can I have an ice cream or can I, whatever it is, they know where the best chance to get a yes is. And so <laughs> what happens is, is from where I usually sit when I'm watching TV, where I sit, our room's here, their room's here. So they have to cross in front of ESPN <laughs> to, get to, to get to mom sometimes. And so it's funny watching them when they're, and I can tell when they're after something because they try to look like they're in, like, like just try to disappear. They're like, I know I've got to walk right past them but I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna walk in such a way that he can't see me. And you know this, they, and you can tell they're watching out of the corner of their eye, their, their head's looking this way, but their eyes looking this way and it's like. And of course, as soon as I see that walk, I'm like, hey, 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 hey. How, you, how you see someone, how, how you define their nature on the inside, will determine where you go. They know the best chance of getting a yes for whatever little thing that it is that they're looking for, that if, if daddy's strict and mama's not as strict, we're, 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 gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna go after mom. When you know that everything that God has for you is good, you're, you're trying to do anything you can to get to him and you'll look past all these other things. Because you know, if I, if I can just get to him, I know the answer I'll get from him is good for me. So to the degree that you know that he's good, to the degree that you know he has your best interest in mind, will be to the degree that his will now becomes your satisfaction. Just some little things, and I, we, we, we talk about this a lot, but it, I just wanted to read some scriptures on, on some of this. It's his will that we're healed from everything that we deal with. That's his will. There's not one thing going on in your physical body, in your mind, not one thing that it's his will that you keep. Not one. I said this last week, I'll repeat it again, Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all, healing all who were pressed of the devil for God was with him. Another thing I wrote down is that, and this one we don't actually don't talk about a ton, probably should talk about more because it's such an issue with so many, in so many homes even. It's God's will that you prosper financially. It's God's will that you prosper financially. And so I go back to when I said, what is God's will for you? God's will for you. Ask yourself the question when you were like, okay, what is God's will for me? Did it ever occur to you that God wants you to be rich? Was that one of the things like, well, I know this is God's will. Third John 2, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prosper. Another scripture says, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow. 
We've all heard stories where riches were added to someone who wasn't ready to handle the riches and the riches brought sorrow. You know what I'm talking about? The blessing of the Lord makes rich but adds no sorrow. It is the nature of God. It is the desire of God. It is the will of God that you prosper financially. Now, here's here's the point. If you don't know that that's his will, but you know you have a desire for money, then are you going to be in pursuit of his will or in pursuit of money? (laughs) That's why it's got to change. Every single one of us, we have a desire to have things. We have a desire to have nice things. We want to give good gifts to our kids even. But if we don't know that in him, is the answer to everything that we actually already desire. So if we, if we can't wrap our head around the fact that God wants us to have more than enough, He doesn't just want us to have our needs met, He wants us to have more than enough. We're supposed to be wells that overflow into the people's lives around us. If all you've got is enough to take care of your needs, how are you supposed to help somebody else with their needs? But if I don't know that about him, if I don't know that his will is to prosper me, his will is to, financial pros- to, to prosper me financially, then it's hard to stir up a hunger for his will in that area. Then I all of a sudden start looking for my, what I think is my will. When all along it's actually his will. And if I'll pursue him, I'll get it. And this time it'll add no sorrow with it. If I pursue it my way, sorrow will come. If I pursue it his way, there will be no sorrow. What is this? Well, I'm, I'm, and I, of course, I'm reading scriptures. Where do all of these promises come from? Where do, where do all these promises come from? His word. We didn't dream these things up. We read scripture about healing. We read scripture about prosperity. We, we read scripture about his desire that you're made righteous. We read, these, these are all scriptures. What are these scriptures? His will. All of these things are his will. It is his, it's his will for you. And I propose that you may ask the question, can, is it even possible to control your hunger? We're going to talk about more about that uh, next week. How we actually, have a, we actually have power over what we're hungry for. We, don't, we can't just say, I'm sorry, I, just, I couldn't control the urge. or I, I couldn't control this. No, actually, the Lord's given us some things even in Scripture to show us how to control what it is that we're hungry for. But I propose to you today that one of the number one ways that we control our hunger, in other words, we get to the place where we're like Jesus, where we're saying, man, what I'm hungry for and what satisfies me is to do the will of the Father. It has to come from us knowing that the will of the Father is good. That the will of the Father is for us to prosper. That the will of the Father is for good things to happen to us. That we don't, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That we don't deal with guilt, shame, condemnation. We don't have a spirit of heaviness and grief and shame uh, riding us every single day of our lives. And the more that we know the will of God is good for us, the more the will of God begins to drive us, begins to become our food, begins to become our satisfaction. It's time that we slide back over here into this new covenant model where we're not motivated from the outside in, but we're motivated from the inside out because we know He is good and the will of God is good things coming into our life. Amen? Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you